night listeners welcome to iowa basement tapes and uh, again with the tone you can tell that we are at the kfmg station downtown des moines at mainframe studios uh i'm sitting here across from station manager gary Monty. hi there and my guest chuck hoffman hello who if, if you have not seen chuck at a show that means you have not been at a show <laughs> <laughs> Because Chuck is at every show at the Muse. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm, not well, even nearly. I feel like every single one I've been to, I'm like, oh, there's Chuck in the corner. <laughs> Hanging out. That, that, uh, that, that, that's that Chuck in the corner. Yes. Right, let's, let's go on <laughs> with the lyrics. Because okay. uh, uh, I, I mean, I remember seeing you at the, um, what was the last show I think I went to that was actually like a bigger one was um, Acid Mother's Temple. Oh, yeah. I know you were there for that. Yes. Um, but you have, you have been part of the music scene in Iowa for a long time and, and a contributor to it. Not only, not just going to shows, but many, many bands, different labels, all DIY. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you're from the Waterloo area originally, mm -hmm. and you, but you've kind of been somewhat connected to the entire state as well. Sure. Okay. I would say so. Maybe more Eastern part of the state, but, but you were, you're still part of that whole network. Yeah. Of, of the punk scene, the noise scene. Um, I mean, really. I mean, also a driving force in the noise scene with doing shows. Um, you're part. Of, you were part of the the the, the noise fest for a little while, mm -hmm. um, and then you would throw shows together over at um, the Fremont. The Fremont. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I want to. I really want to go into your early days because uh, when for those of you who do, do not follow me on Twitter, I posted some photos. Of in, in the in the basement of Chuck's house, <laughs> as he gathered together all of this material that he has collected for twenty some years, over twenty some years, um, and uh, it's it's an amazing collection. Stuff that either you had to copy from another person or recordings from shows that you had to be at house parties, small venues that probably doesn't exist outside of your own personal collection. Yeah. Um, That's possible. Yeah, I would. I would think so. <laughs> um, so, Chuck, let's. I want to talk about growing up in Waterloo. Okay. And what got you into this? I mean, music in general, but then into this world of DIY punk, all of this. Mm -hmm. Um. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Do I have to remember that part? Well, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I. I never know what to include or what counts <laughs> well what was your okay how about this what was your first show that you ever went to my first show that I, that I went to yes um it was probably fantasy kitchen at the garden okay. in cedar falls which was on college hill um in the early 90s so had been in high school um the guys in fantasy kitchen uh jeremy and josh stewart in particular they were in my uh taekwondo classes and uh we were like i think at one point we were on our way up to some like tournament and and um one of them or they brought out this tape like they had made and like oh yeah you know their their parents were with us too they were in, like oh yeah we're in a band and uh, I mean I don't think I'd really considered that like regular people could be in a band <laughs> before that so and yeah, I remember and we would we listened to it in the car on the way up there uh, and so I ended up going to see them at this little coffee shop in uh, in Cedar Falls later on and uh, it's just this little tiny room with a lot of like high school age kids there watching this uh, watching this 
young band kind of work through their nutty little songs. Now, I haven't, I haven't, I have not listened to the two Fantasy Kitchen tapes yet. Um, what, what did they sound like? And you know, I, obviously, everyone has their first time of listening to the, mm-hmm. these. These these DIY bands like and they they're very different than anything you ever hear before. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Jeremy started the band at maybe some kind of summer camp, and that was where the tape songs a weird uh, was made. And uh, at that point, they had like some electronic drum pads and a keyboard, and um, it was just kind of odd. <clears throat> it's kind of odd bedroom music with this kind of grungy 70s guitar on it and they did things like uh, use the ingredients from Country Time Lemonade as the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, really kind of a weird novelty, like a silly kind of band. And then, um, and then they became, uh, Jeremy kept the group going with, um, later on with some, some different people and he brought his brother Josh in on drums and they became more of a, uh, a little more of a conventional rock band, but they were sort of this uh, kind of sloppy, grungy kind of uh, uh, band with some funny songs. <laughs> now, at, at this point, were you playing instruments? I played. I started playing trumpet in school when I was ten. So, if that counts, sure. It counts. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> I played cornet. It, it counts. I like playing cornets more so than trumpets <laughs> uh, nowadays. So, so seeing this, this kind of opened this door to a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And like, how 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 long until you actually like decide? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a part of this. Oh, I, mean, I did some home recordings and tried to tried to make some tapes that uh, that nobody was interested in um, pretty early on in high school, probably you know when I was maybe fifteen. Just on tape recorders. Mm-hmm. Um. And then um, I actually got a little bit of a band together at one point, or I thought I did anyway. I thought I'd talk some of my friends from school into being in it. and uh, But we hadn't really like uh, rehearsed a whole lot. We jammed a little bit, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And so I went up to uh, the garden where I'd seen Fantasy Kitchen play and talked to the guy that owned that into, uh, into booking us. Uh, so I went back to school the next day and told my friends, hey, I've got us a gig, and they all quit on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then I... Uh, um, Terminal stage, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so I called up some other guys that I knew that played guitar and uh, bass, and, uh, and Josh, the drummer from Fantasy Kitchen, and we whipped together a set in a couple of weeks uh, with a lot of cover songs. And uh, and played at uh, at the garden. Uh, that was my first live show. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to kind of go through a couple of the, the when going through your collection of tapes. I kind of want to know like, hey, did you see these guys live, or you know, what was the experience with them? One is Sludge Plow. Yeah, I never saw Sludge Plow live. Um, I don't even know for sure how I ended up with the tape. But because they, and, I, I've played them numerous times, yeah. and they are kind of like the OGs of sludge mm-hmm. from Iowa, which I think way ahead of their time, no one really knew what that was when that was yeah. coming out. Um, so I think they're from Iowa City, is that right? Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids, Cedar okay. Rapids, yeah. Um, so let's kind of move a little. Let's move forward here. You were also involved 
I mean, when you got, I would say I, when I look at your material, um, I would say late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You were that was I feel like when you started to like dive in head first with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, starting small labels, uh, multiple bands, um, <sighs> Cactus Rats, Snowman's, Exit Drills. In fact, when I was talk, I was talking to uh, Greg Wheeler, mm-hmm. and the first thing he asked about was the Exit Drills. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, "Oh man, can you find Exit Drills?" And of course, there it is in, in the pile. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, what what was sort of like what opened the door to it was like okay full steam ahead I'm all in oh gosh um hmm <laughs> I, you know I had kind of odd musical interests um as a uh, you know teenager and um I got really interested in like avant-garde music and uh, 20th century composers and stuff and there wasn't really you know there wasn't a scene for that kind of thing but it was just something I found interesting um, but I had was going to school uh, at uh, Iowa State I managed to do that for one year after high school and um, I came across a zine uh, at the co-op records in Ames by um, made by Brian Noring called Friends of the Draft Resistance, which is where FDR tapes is, was the same guy, but this was a zine he had done. And, uh, you know, it looked like a crazy, like, crusty punk zine. And so I, I bought it and, and uh, found, like, just some hilarious interviews with, like, uh, Rectal Pus and uh, just, you know, all these kind of noise core bands. And I found out that there were these people kind of just, you know, doing kind of, unusual music and trading tapes through the mail and uh, you know selling them for like two dollars and just making their own homemade stuff and that they were doing all sorts of um, you know just weird and experimental things uh, so I started kind of getting involved in that, uh, that network a little bit uh, I made some tapes of some things that I'd recorded with friends um, before you know in high school and made sent copies out and did uh, got onto a couple of random compilations and uh, that probably got me started with a lot of things um, after I dropped out of Iowa State <laughs> I went to, I was in Cedar Falls and was kind of hoping to maybe put a band together um, and uh, kind of ran across like a mob of kids walking down the street and just like a bunch of high school kids and they were up to something interesting I'm sure so I just started following them and uh they they ended up at some uh, one of their friends' house and they were there they were going they were watching uh, the point on video the uh, Harry Nielsen you know the movie uh, and I so I ended up talking to this tall kid named Joe and we just kind of hit it off and started hanging out after that and uh, started making silly songs and recording music and eventually we started the band No Consensus out of that and uh, I'd say that's probably where. Where it all started. The biggest part of it got started, yeah. Um, well, let's get into your your Iowa playlist. What do you want to What do you want to start off with first? Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> it does it's important? <clears throat> um, how about uh, How about Lugwamp? That's probably Lugwamp's the oldest. Tra- well, no, actually, the lid eleven one might be, but. Well, let's let's go with Mugwumps. Talk about the the record and. Mm-hmm. 
why is this important to you? Uh, Mudbump was, um, you know, a rock band from Cedar Falls uh, that I saw around. Uh, there weren't a lot of shows he could go to. I grew up in Waterloo. There wasn't really any, you know, venues for live music in those days. So if you wanted to see anything, you were going to Cedar Falls. Uh, and then, like, if you were underage, there was almost nowhere you could go either. Uh, but I nonetheless managed to see uh, this group play at, uh, like, at the, on the UNI campus and at the Garden and a couple other places. Um, and just really liked them a lot. Uh, there's some really cool kind of psychedelic edge with the guitars. Um, let's see what. Uh, give me a minute. I'm trying to think of his name. I'm terrible at these things. The guitarist. Um, it's the fellow from the Mittens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. That's he was. That's him on the. I think the lead guitar, in Mugwump. And uh, they were just really good, and I liked them a lot. And then uh, at one point, uh, Dave Dibler from House of Large Sizes started a little label that made a couple of seven-inch records and put this Mugwump record out. So I, you know, snatched it up right away. Uh, and it's just a, uh, it's it's a pity they didn't record a lot more stuff because they were they were really great. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, here's a uh, Mugwumps on Iowa Basement Tapes.
bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Listeners, welcome back to Iowa Basement Tapes. I am sitting in the KFMG studios with station manager Gary. Hi there. And if you're just joining us, my guest Chuck Hoffman. Hello again. Who uh, has, who is here talking about his history in Iowa music, the the Eastern Iowa punk scene, noise scene, Central Iowa punk scene and noise scene. And uh, you just heard Little Levin, no name, no face. Uh, that this is a really interesting tape. Mm-hmm. When I was going through your stuff, this one was really cool because it had that ministry era land of rape and honey vibe to yes. it. I thought. Yeah. Um, so, did you ever see these guys play live? They never. I don't think they ever played live. Okay. Um, from far as I know, they were a couple of uh, students at U and I at the time in about 1991 or 92, uh, and they just made the, you know they just made these songs on like a Macintosh computer or something and put this tape out on the local artists uh, display at co-op records and that's about it as far as I know that's awesome. um, I did do I, I did do an email interview with them once upon a time and, and wrote an article for them for a blog that um, Ed Bignar was running for a while called rid of me and that site's not up anymore and I can't find the uh, the article online but I'm pretty sure I still have the emails with them in my uh, Gmail box, and I asked them all about kind of what they, you know, the history of Lit Eleven and what the what the deal was. Um, but yeah, I, I was interested in industrial music as well. Uh, I had some friends in high school that had turned me on to like Ministry and Skinny Puppy and things like that. So when I saw somebody, you know, I saw this tape up in co-op that had the word industrial on it. I said, well, I wonder if this is some industrial music because it would be pretty interesting if there was anybody locally yeah. doing something like that. And uh, yeah, it became just like one of my favorite tapes for a long time. That that song was, I think, the first one on there. And it just really grabbed my attention from the start. So uh, No Consensus was like your first, was basically the band that you started that really pushed, you started getting, you know, getting the train moving. Mm-hmm. And this is also around the time, um, I believe if I'm getting my, my timeline in order, this is around the time you started Ragman Records, mm-hmm. um, and we, which is how you put out the No Consensus stuff. Yeah. How, how did that all uh, come about? Uh, I, well, Joe Reilly, who I mentioned before, uh, the singer of No Consensus, um, he was another, was also kind of, he and I both were kind of the driving force in that. Uh, and he was the one, the, the name Ragman Records came from, uh, he had his own phone line in his bedroom at his mom's house, and when you called him, he would answer it and say, Ragman's Rock Line, what's your rock and roll request? <laughs> and so that, was, that became the name of the, uh, of the label. One time he called, or one time I called him up and he did that, and I was like, play some Pantera, dude. And he like put effing hostile on his boombox and held the phone up to it for me. <laughs> That's awesome. 
so you guys, you guys really were instrumental for a lot of bands to get put stuff out. I mean, uh, bands could obviously do it themselves, but you guys took it upon yourselves to to, to be this facilitator mm-hmm. to get all this music, and a lot of really cool music was put out through Ragman. Yeah, uh, real small numbers of tapes, but yeah. I mean, I think Co-op Records in in Cedar Falls was a big was a bigger deal than maybe people remember it now because there wasn't I mean it was the record store that there was and if it was if you were doing if anything local you know a local artist that was probably the only place you would find it and so yeah at a certain, we just in a, at a certain point in Iowa the co-op record uh, mm-hmm. chain was like where people went to get Iowa music yes. in Iowa because that was about the only place if not the only place other than the bands themselves to, to yeah. pick it up yeah, and uh, so I guess we kind of saw that as an opportunity. Like, we'll make tapes and sell them there because they'll let us. <laughs> so because we can, right? Because yeah. well, in, in, in in Cedar Rapids, um, we had CD Warehouse, which had a small local section, and then there was like uh, I think it was a, a a co-op or it was a CD exchange across the street from there, over by the Collins Road Theater. Oh, yeah. And they had, that's where I would see the flyers for Cannibal Horse and the Horrors and all those other mm-hmm. bands that they'd be playing shows. Um, so to have that local section, it was like, oh, we have, we are now ha- have, we're in a brick and mortar spot, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, did you guys do much marketing or were you just like, all right, we're going to put the tapes out and then put some flyers for shows and that's, yeah, that was that's it. probably about it. That was yeah. it. Um, the bands that you guys, we're, we're working with um, in those early days. A is Jump. Mm-hmm. was around. Um, there was one called Passage to da-da-da-da-da. Oh, Passage of Deformed Man Supermarket. Yes. Yes. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, I saw that sign on uh, English.com one time, and I just thought that was, I don't know, for some reason it just hit me like to start a band by that name. And so I went up to... Tom Vanderwall, I think he was working at uh, the Blue Moon Cafe, maybe at the time. And I was like, Wait, "Hey, you Tom. were in this band? Yes, you were part of that." Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I read. There's a there's there's a card that has a bunch of words on it that it's, or I think I, it was just there's too many words on a page for me to want to read it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I didn't actually look to see if there's any who I if who was in this band mm-hmm. or in this thing, you know. Um, I didn't realize that was another one of yours. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, you know, it was kind of just a, a, a you know whim, I guess. But uh, yeah, we ended up playing a few shows. Uh, Tom and I started. You know, just got together in his, in the attic of his house and uh, to jam there, and um, and then Phil Sturt uh, came in and started playing with us, and that. Wow. Um, I want to talk about, um, so I think this is around that era, or on the earlier side of this era, the Snowmans. Because mm-hmm. I love the Snowmans. Okay. This, that, that, that disc is super fun. And it's, I mean, simple punk rock, mm-hmm. but it's kind of catchy um, and really silly. Um, was that a one-off thing? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a one-off thing. We ended up doing quite a few shows, um, but it was definitely like, considered at least initially a side project from no consensus um steve and john were just like 
at Joe's house, you know, where we had all our practices, and they had just started writing these songs, and uh, and play and were playing them in the basement. I kind of wandered in and started beating on a tambourine, and the next thing I knew, I was the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was when I was talking to our our mutual comrade Dylan Sires, and I didn't know I didn't know you 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 played any brass so he was like yeah we we my my band toured with one of chuck's bands and he couldn't remember which one no no that was samuel lock ward oh that was samuel lock ward yeah okay. i was i played trumpet or i played bass for him okay is that was that the is that the teddy boys samuel yes, lock ward yes, tour he's talking about yes yeah. um yep that happened <laughs> 2008 i think okay yeah what was that tour like it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. <laughs> You're like, I had no intentions of actually going on tour. Yeah, I think Sam, the story Sam tells is that I called him up like the day before to tell him I was in. <laughs> before The day before they left. <laughs> so they drove up and picked me up. Um, well, let's, we need to get into another song here. And you have, uh, you have three more to choose from. Okay. Oh. Yes, so, uh, well, since we were just been talking about Sam, let's play the Eggnogs. Eggnogs, oh, yeah. man. And Eggnogs, uh, they were part of an, an early, an, I would say an early DIY label mm-hmm. for Iowa. Um, Poopsicle. Poopsicle Records, um, yes. Yes. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, well, the Eggnogs was, um, were out of Ottumwa, which was Sam's hometown before he lived in Iowa City. And uh, how did we, um, I'm not sure exactly how No Consensus got a gig in Ottumwa, <laughs> but we did, and we went down to play at a place called Game Zone, and that was where we met Sam. He was in uh, Yellow Five at that time, and Yellow Five was playing that show. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up just uh, hitting it off with that whole bunch and uh, talking to Sam a lot. We came down to Ottumwa to play a few more shows, uh, and then... Well, after that, he st- they started the Eggnogs. Uh, the Snowmans and the Eggnogs did several shows together. We kind of set up a, a, a rivalry of sorts. <laughs> where we would do our flyers would say it was the Eggnogs versus the Snowmans. God. And I think uh, at one point, the police in Cedar Falls thought this was like a gang thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> What self-respecting gang calls themselves the eggnogs? <laughs> what we're dealing here, <laughs> what we're dealing with is uh, so are some boys that have no respect for themselves <laughs> or others. <laughs> is this when you went, met uh, Andy Kettle, too? When you went yeah, to I met Andy Kettle at one of those Otomo shows, yep. And, uh, and that was weird because... How do you just randomly meet a guy and start talking about sockeye? I don't even. <laughs> I know. But, I don't uh, know, but that was that was cool. And you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't think that. I mean, I have some friends that I, I would uh, I would text them. I said, "Listen to this song," and it was sockeye um, a boy with breast implants, <laughs> and because uh, it is, it'll get in your head. Yes, it'll get in your head. Just just like the uh, the snowman's uh, cheesecake USA. <laughs> Anyways, um, I I don't need to go through my list of apologies again. Come on, Radio Community Radio Foundation. Um, so here is uh, Eggnogs. Um, what is it called? I like to rock. I like to rock. Right here on Iowa Basement Tapes. 
y'all like you to come to the front of the stage now. Joel, everyone. You over there eating bark? Come here. Listeners, welcome back to Iowa Basement Tapes. I am sitting at the KFMG station within the 
Mainframe Studios, downtown Des Moines. Across from me is a listener favorite station manager, Gary Monty. Hi there. And my guest, a, a really, he is a historical landmark in the <laughs> Iowa. Hysterical landmark. <laughs> my mom used to like to stop and see you. <laughs> when, we went uh, on, when we went on those family drives, we'd always stop by and see you. Historic landmark. Here is uh, Chuck Hoffman's uh, rest stop. <laughs> it is just, it's sort of like that uh, that rest stop outside of um, Iowa City, the writer's one that has all like the different. Iowa oh, writers. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is lyrics by, <laughs> by Chuck Hoffman, <laughs> written all over it. The, the Chuck Hoffman Memorial <laughs> Lyric yes. Roadside Rest Stop. I, yeah. Still get people asking me when I'm making another exit drill, so. (laughs) So if you haven't figured it out, Chuck Hoffman's here. We just listened to Spork off uh, a tape that really doesn't exist. It was a tape that uh, It was like a demo that they made on a four-track. And, yeah, I don't think they made a whole lot of copies of them. The copies just kind of got passed around and people dubbed them on their own. And then you added some songs. I added some recordings from a, a VHS tape that I had briefly had but I don't think I have any more of just like a camcorder recording of them practicing those aren't very good let's talk about Spork then we talked about the record itself or the tape what was this band like uh well you and I had gotten taught to chatting when you were at my place about the kind of uh phenomenon of uh 90s teenagers trying to be Nirvana (laughs) and uh there were it was kind of an interesting uh there was even one band in uh, Cedar Falls that called themselves a Navarins, Nirvana spelled backwards, and then they eventually changed it to Sinister Plot, but that's a side. But yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of those bands were kind of forgettable, but then some of them, you know, were pretty, uh, were kind of interesting and had some potential, and Spork were uh, some kids that I kind of hung out with um, at the time. Um, You know, my sister, my youngest sister was dating the singer-guitarist. And um, they, they played a few shows here and there, and they had made this demo, and I thought they were really good. And um, it, uh, well, probably your most—I would consider your most most well-known band, Fetal Pig, mm-hmm. uh, which the record rules. <laughs> Thank you. That record rules. I've played the entire album on this show, um, and that, that's you and Dan Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. And who, who else is in that? Jeff Hutchinson. Jeff Hutchinson. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that also opened up the door of some pump records mm-hmm. that you're a part of. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this whole era. This is I feel like this is the most. If you if no one has heard any of your music before, this is probably the most accessible. Oh, Fetal sure. Pig. You know, I mean, it is musically. You guys are amazing. I mean, the the, the skill set that I hear on there is is nuts. <laughs> it is absolutely nuts. It's like, oh, okay, we're gonna go impress people. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And tear it up. Yeah. How did how did your relationship with Dan start? After I moved to Des Moines, uh, which I did mainly for work, uh, there wasn't a lot of software development jobs in Cedar Falls after I was laid off from T8 Design. Uh, but uh, so I moved to Des Moines, and I didn't really know a whole lot of people here. But I knew I wanted to you know, continue to be involved in a local music scene. Uh, so I started to think of like who, you know, what bands have I heard of from Des Moines? And the first one I thought of was Why Make Clocks? Um, and I remembered that name because A is Jump used to uh, come down here and play quite a few shows with them. And so I'd heard some of their stuff, you know, years ago. 
Uh, so I looked up why make clocks on MySpace and just sent sent a message saying, "Hey, I'm new in town and want to get involved in music. What's uh, what's going on?" And uh, so then Dan and I end up meeting up at a show at Vaudeville Muse, and uh, he was looking to um, at the time why make clocks was just him and Will Tarbox, and so he was looking to add another member to that, and uh, I ended up becoming bass player of Why Make Clocks. Had the 7-inch already come out yet? For oh, the 7-inch was, yeah, it was old. That's uh, a long time ago. Um, there's nothing recorded of Why Make Clocks that's been released that I play on. Yeah. Um, they were just about to release the These Things Are Our CD at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, I started out by learning those songs. I think that was a lot of it for me because Dan played all the bass on that CD, uh, but he gave me like a... a rough copy of it um, and I just I really liked the bass parts on it so mm-hmm. I thought well you know, this band could really use somebody to play these parts mm-hmm. yeah. so how did that how did that lead into Fetal Pig um well Fetal Pig was another of Dan's uh, bands that uh, he originally had started um, like in the early 90s and um, there was a an idea to do uh, a one-off re- reunion show of Fetal Pig uh, for for Dan's wife Kim's birthday, and uh, so Dan taught me a bunch of the a bunch of the songs, and uh, we practiced a few times and played a, a show at Vaudeville Muse for, on Kim's birthday, or uh, and um, it it went over really well, so we decided to keep going with it. When did you record the record? I don't know, a couple years after that. We, yeah. And are you guys still active? Uh, we haven't been real active the past couple years. Um, Dan works for the Postal Service, and the hours are nuts. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, but we're, we've been, we're talking about... Uh, we plan to get together again in May, and uh, we're all committed to bringing in a certain number of songs to work on, of new songs. So hopefully I can manage to think of some songs. <laughs> Well, and that also, you got you, you and Dan partnered, and I think a couple other guys partnered on Sump Pump mm-hmm. to release to release music. Yeah, and you guys have put out some amazing records. Um, the new Skin of Earth mm-hmm. is solid. Uh, you guys put out the latest Traffic Death uh, yes. full length. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they just did that split with Captain Three Leg, um, but you guys did Land a, of Blood and Sunshine. That's yes. the newest one. Oh, so I've been yes. Mentioning. Yes, that one's great. It is really good. That is yeah. really good. I mean, the caliber of music that you guys put out is is so solid. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I mean, it's stuff that when I go, because I, I do frequent um, the website, and I and I have Dan, I order it, and Dan drops it off at ZZZ, and mm-hmm. I go pick it up, and it, it's all the material that's on there, even if I've never heard of it before. I mean, I can sample it, you know, on Bandcamp. Some of it, I, I think some of it actually is not on there, but... I know I'm not gonna. I, I know I'm gonna be happy with whatever I get off that label. And you guys have been a big support for a lot of Iowa artists. That way, you put out uh, um, not the latest Anna Libera, but the previous one, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And then the Des Moines four track compilation, mm-hmm. which that record rules. That was one of the first. I think within the first three shows of this of this show, I had played that entire record <laughs> on this show. Cool. I mean, it's that good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, those are all, you know, Fetal Pig, 
uh, some pump records, white make clocks. Like I'm not an original member of any of no, <laughs> any no, of I, I get that. But uh, like Dan started, Dan had originally called his label Sump Pump Records when he self-released the uh, that first white make clock seven inch, uh, and then he put out a CD by Chad O'Neill, and then that kind of just you know, went dormant for a while, and he got the idea to start the label back up because he wanted to try this this four-track compilation concept. I mean, he, he got the idea that I want to bring in a bunch of Des Moines bands, have them record on four-track, and make a make a compilation album. So he pulled together uh, myself and Will Tarbox and, uh, um, yeah, a, a bunch of people <laughs> from Y8 Clocks. Um, yeah, we had idea. some, we had a little bit of money kind of left from what Y8 Clocks had kind of squirreled away from shows and things and just uh, decided to put that into putting out records. Great. Uh, before we close out here, um, first off, how do you pronounce this again? Pythias Braswell. Pythias Braswell. Mm-hmm. Song for... Uh, song for leaving. Song for and I'm, leaving. I apologize for how long this is. No, it's but, okay. Uh, well, uh, Pythias Braswell uh, was Mike Hayes, uh, a kid from Cedar Falls. He was the drummer of No Consensus. He was the singer of Angry Cops. Um, and uh, you know, when I got to know him, he was probably like 13. Um, and they... They talked me into playing drums for Angry Cops, and then he ended up playing drums for No Consensus. And so I knew him for a lot of years, and during that time, like, he started writing his own songs and um, just got really good. And um, towards the, uh, you know, towards the time when he was about to graduate high school, uh, he started the uh, Pythias Braswell, I guess you could say it's an alter ego uh, that he writes and and sings songs under and the first thing he recorded under that name uh quite a bit of it we recorded at my uh my trailer that i lived in in cedar or in waterloo sorry cedar falls was across the street um and uh yeah he he asked if i you know could help him record some things and we took some other like four track recordings that he had done before and and remixed them as well um and he said this is just a really powerful song um, it was a really emotional time, I think, when he wrote it. Like, all his friends were graduating school and going off to college, and so there's all this. Uh, and he came in and recorded that song uh, in front of one microphone and one take in, in my living room in front, of the, in front of the TV. And it's just a beautiful song. Lyrically, it's just amazing. Uh, Pythias Braswell, he's still at it. He lives out in uh, Cannery Row in California. And he just uh, did an, uh, an album recently called Thy Merciful Teeth, and it's great. And uh, I think folks should check him out. And that, my friends, night listeners, that is the end of our show. Thanks, Chuck Hoffman, for his invaluable knowledge <laughs> of really the true secret history of the Cedar Valley is sitting right next to me and this guy's brain. Uh, some may not want all of it to come out. <laughs> and uh, again, thanks to our listener favorite station manager, Gary, for engineering. You're welcome. And chiming in from time to time. 
Uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, uh, Night listeners, next week we will be back to our regular uh, music format where you just have to listen to me talk to you. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. Christian Day Media and is distributed across the state of Iowa on 
community, and public radio stations. If you miss a show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast archives on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play.